What's going on, everybody? A.C. Lewis Jr. here with this week's episode of the Make Your Mark podcast. Before we joined this week by Mr. Aaron Chess, we got to shout out Strictly Hip Hop 90.7 FM sponsors. Strictly Hip Hop is brought to you by Rap City, a new hip-hop-inspired restaurant serving signature sandwiches like the Meek Millie Philly. They're located at 400 East Riverside Road in East Peoria. Their store hours are 3 to 8 p.m. Tuesday through Thursday and 3 to 9 p.m. on Fridays and Saturdays. You can contact them at 309-868-6264. Strictly Hip Hop is brought to you at home by Transcendent Visual Arts. They specialize in live streams, music videos, commercials, and logo animations. To see how they can help your business, you can contact them at 309-280-1319 or email them at transcendentvisualarts at gmail.com. State Farm agent Aaron Kilgore sells car insurance. State Farm agent Aaron Kilgore is located on Sterling Avenue. State Farm agent Aaron Kilgore also paid for you to hear this on Peoria's hottest station for hip-hop and R&B, 90.7 FM. He can be reached at 309-685-7111. Hey Peoria, don't forget that free COVID testing is still available at the Peoria Civic Center and Heartland Health Clinic. Also, don't forget to mask up and keep your hands washed. Protect yourself and others so we can keep Peoria safe. Get your business or event broadcast on the hottest station in the P. Email us at strictlyhiphopatlive.com to get in rotation. Without those sponsors, none of this would be possible. We appreciate them for all they do. With that being said, let's get into this week's podcast. I present to you Mr. Aaron Chess. Enjoy. All right. Uh, thanks for joining us this week. Uh, this is the newest episode of Making Mark Podcast. And um, I'm joined by somebody that, again, I enjoy doing these because it's somebody that I don't have a personal, you know, real close grow up relationship with. It's somebody that I've seen from afar. I think that that's kind of like I like to see people who I, I, I can be proud of that I reach out to or we kind of build a relationship that you can see them doing positive things. And this week I have that um, in Mr. Aaron Chess. Aaron um, was running for political office uh, recently. Obviously, it didn't go the way that he had hoped, um, but it's still to see a, a young black man um Trying to get into politics and doing what he's doing on the South End for for the city of Peoria is, is is something that I think everybody should be a fan of. So I wanted to take the time this week to to meet with him and kind of talk to him and, and talk about his path, his experience growing up, uh, getting into politics, the good, the bad, um, and kind of what he's got going forward. So, without further ado, uh, here's Mr. Aaron Chess. How's it going, brother? It's going good. Thank you for having me on. All right. Um, like I said we'll we'll talk about the whole man. You got the manual shirt going on, and, uh, <laughs> and, you know Peoria High through and through. We got this week, so we'll talk about that later. But um, one thing we like to do is we always like to give people a chance to kind of talk about you know who they are. You're a Peoria kid through and through. Um, so kind of talk about who you are growing up, going through the school system, um, what you had going on school wise, and, and just who Aaron Chess is yeah. or was as he was growing up. Yeah. Uh, so I grew up on the south side of Peoria. Um, in a single parent home with just me, my mom, older brother, and older sister. Um, my dad uh, wasn't really in the picture. Um, and so growing up, it was hard not having like a father figure, mm-hmm. someone to talk to. Um, and as, you know, I got older, you know, I was kind of discouraged with the situation we were living in, in poverty, uh, not being able to, you know, do certain things. But uh, one thing I could say about my mom, she always made sure I I was always involved in different activities. Um, unlike, you know, my friends growing up who, who now that I look back on it, you know, they thrown their lives away. They went to jail or some of them are no longer with us on earth because of, uh, the things that they've done. Um, and so that kind of was the first step of motivating me to, you know, want to be different from mm-hmm. the rest of the pack of, you know, typical, when you think of the South side of PR, you always think of something negative. Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. Um, and then losing my sister to gun violence uh, back in 2010 at the age of 12 uh, really pretty much uh, changed the whole narrative of things. Uh, I wanted to ensure that no other family had to deal with what my family had to go through. I wanted to, I wanted to make sure that everybody could have, you know, we can bring opportunities back into our communities. And at 12 years old. Um, and I remember President Barack Obama uh, was newly, he was in office his first couple, first year. Yeah. Um, and that motivated me, especially not having that father figure. And so I was just, 
just seeing him just, you know, I was admiring him because he, you know, broke through all barriers um, that I even heard growing up that, you know, it's always going to be hard for a black man mm -hmm. in America. Uh, my mom always told me that, that you'll have to work 10 times as harder. To get the same opportunity. Yeah, to get the same opportunities. And so I did just that. Um, got decent grades in school. Uh, unfortunately, fortunately for me, you know, as I said, my mom kept me involved. And so, uh, obviously always had me in the house if I wasn't, <laughs> <laughs> uh, participating in sports yeah. or activities, um, got involved early helping on political campaigns. So going into high school, um, played wrestle, wrestled, uh, played football, track and field. I went to Richwoods, um, and fortunately, you know, I was able to, you know, have a better life than my older brother and sister. Um, I was able to do uh, more things uh, because of uh, just staying involved and not, you know, just sitting at home and just wandering the streets and, uh, you know, throwing my life and my future away. Well, so there, there's a couple of things that I want to touch on before we go forward. Yeah. Um, like I said, you talked about Barack. Um, mm -hmm. One thing that I always talk about when we have this type of stuff is representation matters, yeah. right? So that's why I try, we've, we try to highlight business owners, especially minority business owners. So when people look at and say, I could be that, right? So mm. for you to see, you know, a black man in the highest office, yeah. right? It, it makes it, like I said, that type of represent, representation matters, which is huge. But I honestly, I didn't know about the, the past as far as losing your sister to gun yeah. violence. And that's unfortunate. Obviously, what I do with the Make Your Mark stuff is in honor of my brother who was also taken to gun violence. Now, he was um, older and... You know, I, I won't pretend to act like my brother was a saint by any means, right? Mm. Um, but nobody deserves that fate. Yeah. And so one of the things that we try to do with the Make Your Mark stuff is, is trying to, you know, put different examples of people in front of kids who are doing things differently, right? And so you talk about you. You said you got into political things early. Yeah. How? how right? So, yeah. so, you, so you say this, like, and it's awesome that you would do that. But like I said, it's it's... It's not a common thing. Like, you know, I can't think of, you know, when I think of myself growing up, the only black people I saw who were doing anything besides uh, sports-related things or um, I mean, really getting in trouble was Gary Moore on the news and Carl Cannon doing his, his stuff, mm -hmm. uh, kind of doing that stuff. So how did you get the original interest in politics to the point where you'd at least look into it? Yeah. Uh, so like I said, President Obama. And so uh, when he announced, I remember I was in sixth grade. Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember just Googling like a lot of stuff. Like <laughs> I made it my goal from then on out. I was like, you know, if he can do it, I, I want to do it. I want to, uh, get into politics. I want to someday become president of the United States. So I was just <laughs> Googling like the simple, simple answers. How can I get involved? And then I remember Google, a Google search has said contact and like different organizations mm -hmm. or campaigns. And at the time I remember. Uh, Aaron Shock, he was a young guy, yeah, so that, that rich, yeah, former Richwoods grad too. And so that was that was interesting too. So I reached out to him, then I reached out. I remember uh, helping on Jahan's campaign mm -hmm. at an early age, and just different campaigns just to get that feel of things. And um, who would know? Who would think that you know, ten plus years later, that I'd be running my own campaign? Right. <laughs> so so that's the thing. So uh, we'll get that to a second, but. You know, you talk about, you know, growing up and you wanted more opportunities. Like you said, your mom did the best she could, made sure you guys were taken care of. Um, but you wanted more opportunities than those. Having those interests young, was was it hard to not be discouraged? I, I mean, we all know as, as, as young people, um, if you're doing something different, it isn't always the most pushed thing, especially from your peers, mm -hmm. right? So if you play sports, everybody's going to love you playing sports. If you rapping or doing some of this stuff, like everybody's going to support that stuff. But... That being in a big in <laughs> politics and stuff like that and kind of do that stuff like you know were you kind of like uh, I don't want to say like made fun of because that's not really the, but, but like how hard was it to stay on that path because that's so different like having those interests from the different interests of your friends was that something you dealt with growing up being yeah it was it was something I dealt with because um, a lot of my friends would joke because I every time I went to the library or something I get books on like presidents yeah. and politics. Uh, and they would say, and they'd think like I was joking. And now, <laughs> when I talk to them, it was like you know, you always knew that you'll uh, do something, mm -hmm. be something big one day. And that just, you know, inspires. And that just like makes me like you know feel so good because you know they they're looking up to me now. They see me as someone that can actually make a difference in the community. Uh, but when I was wanting to do this, it was to ensure that you know we can have a great life, not just me, but 
my friends and their friends and their little brothers and sisters, their uncles and whatsoever. And so I just want to do my part with, you know, being able to study this stuff at a young age and um, be able to know, you know, what I'm getting myself into. And as I got older, I was able to read more about different policies and things to help, you know, our our communities around, especially in the city of Peoria. Yeah. And so when you do that, um, one of the hardest things to do is to have, um, you know, different ideas, right? So you're around like-minded people, especially in Peoria, in the black community, we are a very, um, for lack of a better phrase, I'd probably say a very closed community, mm. right? Like it's it's us against the world type thing. And so you don't get a lot of differing views. Um, so when you're doing that, when you decide to get into politics, like, you know, you talk about um, Barack, you talked about Aaron Shock, you talked about Jahan, you talked about some very different political you know, ideas like people don't always look at things the same. How did you form your own views? Yeah, do, in doing that because I know we'll, we'll talk about a little, a little bit later how you do have a little bit of as far as the the stereotypical black political views, you aren't always um, aligned with that. Yeah. And so how do you form your views growing up? Like you know, because usually again, Barack, Aaron, Shock, Jahan, like you've done some different things, you have some different differing ideas. Like how do you, as a young black man, how did you form your idea on politics? So uh, I formed my my own ideas, you know, for a very long time. I only, you know, watched certain news stations, mm-hmm. only read certain articles. Uh, but then as I got even into college, I started uh, looking at both po- policies from different political mm-hmm. parties. And then I just thought about my childhood growing up, uh, losing my sister to gun violence and seeing that, you know, we are on a repeated cycle, not just in Peoria, but across the country and across the world. And so... You know, I wanted to be able to, I want policies that's not going to just give handouts to our people, but encourage uh, our people to, you know, want to make, want to be in a better position a year from now, uh, become their own entrepreneurs, become their own, um, who knows what, you know, if you got to, you, if you want to go pro, you know, yeah. working on that, but you know, it's a very uh, rare chance that yeah. you go pro, yeah. Yeah. but having backup plans. And that's what I've been doing with mentoring our young boys and mm-hmm. girls is, Ensuring that everybody has, you know, they have their number one choice of what they want to be. Pl- yeah, you yeah. want your plan to work out, but plan A's uh, majority of the time don't, right? Yeah. So, you know, do you have something else, right? Mm-hmm. I got you. So being able to have, like, those those backup choices so that, you know, when your plan your plan A doesn't succeed, that you're not going to uh, just give up on life, that you're going to just uh, ruin your life with, you know, wanting to hang around uh, on the streets and seeing doing what your you know your brother or your uh, family members that you know are not on that that right path that you want to try to aspire to be on like with me uh, I don't come from a great family a lot of my family members unfortunately were uh, part of gangs and you know I didn't I didn't want to follow that path mm-hmm. I wanted to uh, I wanted to be a different I wanted to be a different light so with that being said like I, I, I love stuff like this and I'm not a psychology major but I, lo- <laughs> but I love you know trying to figure like because again you know it's it's you you can look at a family like so even in, in my family right we have I have a big family uh, but I usually just my brothers who were raised by the same parents so I have there's three of us who have the same mom and dad you know I went my way my brother Darnell went his way and then my brother Tyree went a completely different way we were raised in the same exact family same exact way and all in three different ways it's so hard to separate yourself from what's around you it's mm-hmm. so hard right so you talk about that we have a lot of families that that we know people of who have you know. A lot of people go the exact same way, like, hey, I'm going to do the wrong thing. And because we saw that growing up, we tend to go do the wrong thing. How do we get more people? Like you talked about that. How do we get more people to say, hey, you know what? I want to be different than that. Mm. Right? Because, again, if all you see at home is is wrong, 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 it's so easy to do wrong. Right? Or if you see, you know, because my who's okay with, with living off of certain things or needing help and do those other things, it's okay to do that. You chose to go left, right? Not saying you're perfect, right? Because mm. obviously nobody is, yeah. right? But what do we have to do? What what made you want different when some people in your family were saw the exact same things and decided we're going to do the same, right? Mm. How do we separate that? So just kind of like, was there anything that you could think of that was like, you know what, this I want to go. I don't want to be a part of this. I want to do different. I don't want anybody's business yeah. out there. You know what I'm saying? But what made you decide? You know what, I'm going to break this cycle. I'm going to do different. Mm. And I would say it was just like, you know, my mom was uh, signing me up for different things on a summer camp. I remember I went to Great Oaks Camp, this okay. yeah, Christian camp. Um, so just meeting different people and just seeing that um, there's life outside of, you know, the hood where I'm used to. That I don't have to follow on these footsteps, but, uh, you know, having to go 
set in place for five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, uh, and then reading a lot. Mm-hmm. Because as they say, you know, reading will uh, take you to like a different world. It will, you know, open up your, your mind, open up your imagination. And so uh, just doing that, meeting different people and, you know, getting outside of my comfort zone uh, really helped with that. Because just seeing, hanging around with people that are successful and not doing the same thing really motivated me. And that that made me want to, you know, bring those what I'm learning that valuable feedback, those valuable lessons to bring it back to my community and to ensure that I can break the chain, not only in my household, but in my friend's household, in the neighbor's household, and uh, from there on out. Well, can you talk about it, like, you know, you just said bringing that back and then being able to share with people because it's not a bad thing to want to be like what you're around, Mm. right? But understanding that you need to surround yourself with the right people, the right information, whatever it is, makes that better, right? Mm. you you be you want to be what you see, yeah. right? And sometimes that's a good thing, and a lot of times in our communities, it's not a good thing. Yeah. And so having that around, so like I said, taking that and bringing it back. So again, you said you're raised, you go to you go to Richwood, you do your thing, you go to college, you do all these other things. What made you decide to not only to get into politics? Period. Right? Do you like so you had this whole idea, you talk, you do it, then you really pull the trigger, right? Because I had, I had plenty of ideas. I wanted to be an author. I wanted to. Uh, I'm still back in school to get my uh, my teaching certificate. I wanted to uh, get into coaching. I wanted to do all these other things and plenty of the ideas I didn't pull the trigger on, right? So you had this idea you want to be in, get into politics. So what made you decide to finally pull the trigger to do it? And then what made you choose to try to represent District 1, Yeah. right? Which is the poorest, blackest community in the city, right? Mm. In, in, yeah. If I'm wrong, correct me. No, no, but, you're right, you're okay, right. Okay. So, yeah, what, so what made you decide, you know what, I'm actually going to do this, and I'm going to jump in both feet right into the right into the nitty-gritty? Yeah, so two years ago, uh, I remember I was sitting in my dorm at Western, uh, and that's when I made my first run at, at large. Mm-hmm. And I remember just seeing the articles and things about, uh, you know, uh, the council, uh, again, you know, didn't come up with a, a budget, and there were going to be cuts to the fire department, police mm-hmm. department. And, you know, a lot of people were upset and frustrated. So I was doing my research, and I remember I texted my mom. I was like, uh, I was just joking at one point. I was like, uh, I'm thinking about running for city council. and So, so like I said, so you, you did it, but it's kind of like a, like, yeah. a, like, ha-ha, like, tell me, basically tell me not to. Like, give me a reason not yeah. to. Like, like tell me this is stupid. Tell me not to do it. Tell me this is crazy, basically. Yeah, and then I, and then I made, and then I, like, Thought about it some more, and then I uh, went on Facebook, and I was like, um, you know, thinking about running for city council um, at large. Uh, you know, I've loved, you know, for feedback or whatsoever to, you know, help me as I make my decision. And, you know, a lot of people were encouraging me to do it. Um, really? A lot of yeah. people were, were telling you. That's, yeah. I, that's surprising me, because like I said, again, a young black man, is, I mean, literally, yeah. you said you were in your dorm room when you mm. decided to do this, yeah. right? So it would have been easy to say, you know what, it's not your time, it's not your time. But you said you had people who were encouraging you mm-hmm. to do it. Nice. And so that first run, you know, it wasn't as good as the second one. Um, you know, I learned a lot, um, you know, and from that first run, I was able to build up my network. I was able to make connections with the right people um, and learn a lot. Mm-hmm. And then with the second run, uh, with the first district, uh, this one, I felt as if I had it in the bag. I was, I matured, didn't, I was more matured than two years ago. I studied all the information. Uh, I've been working, working my butt off to, for this moment and to, uh, and I had all the right pieces in place. It was like, like I got the championship team. Yeah. I got the right people. Um, uh, and then, you know, we had, we had moments where, I uh, got a lot of backlash, um, but it was great just, you know, meeting people, uh, meeting business owners and just, you know, being able to hear from, you know, young boys and young girls from the community that they see me on TV, mm-hmm. um, just being able to, you know, be an inspiration just like I Barack was to me for, you know, my community. Unfortunately, you know, I didn't get the, uh, the seat, but, um, that you know hopefully it encourages and i've paved the way for other you know not just blacks but other people from around the city young people to want to get engaged in politics uh want to make a difference in their community and not 
uh, taking no for an answer, but standing up for what's right. Yeah. And so we'll talk about we'll talk about the backlash here in a second, right? So when you go through this, you put so much time into. So again, you said the first time was two years ago, and you you are admittedly were a little bit behind, right? Mm-hmm. You kind of jumped in. Yeah. You should have you should have dug a toe. <laughs> you should have both feet in, right? Um. But so but then you come back and you're like, okay, I'm gonna do all my homework. I'm gonna uh, find the right answers. I'm gonna find you know, and if I don't have the answers, I'm gonna find the right people who do have the right answers. Uh, you're going around. You're you're meeting with businesses. You have these different ideas. You have all these other things. How hard is it to like? Because I think anybody who's seen what you've done wouldn't call what you did a failure, right? So you did, you failed to get the seat, but nothing you did was a failure. But how hard is it to not look at that as like a disappointment? Like, I did everything. Like, what more do you want me to do? Like, not as like a, a blame for that, but it's like, you know, I, I'm, I'm from here. I'm doing the right things. I'm young. I have the different perspectives because obviously what we've been doing hasn't been working, you know. How hard was it to take that kind of like that disappointment? Like, you know, I've, I've, what what more can I do? Yeah. Uh, I remember election night because, uh, you know, I was, I went into it uh, knowing confident that, mm-hmm. you know, this is it. This is the moment. This is the moment I've been waiting on, preparing for. And then just as the results came in, you know, I, I got frustrated. And then once the uh, race was called that, you know, fortunately, uh, this go around. That I wouldn't make it past the primary compared to two years ago when I wasn't prepared. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I had like a $200 budget on an at-large campaign uh, that I made it to the, past the primary. Like, right? Like, those, yeah. that, that doesn't like that doesn't add up. The math on that doesn't add up. It's like, you know, I when I wasn't ready and I didn't put the money, like, I put the time in, but I didn't have the money and all this other stuff. And now, somehow I did better then than I did now. Like, yeah. that doesn't add up. And it was just like, you know, I shed it to the air and I remember... Um, I was thinking to myself, like, man, thought I really had it. I've had all these great ideas, these plans to, you know, utilize, you know, that seat to, you know, bring more attention to a community. Then I realized, uh, and I remember getting a couple phone calls from different people, elected officials, uh, mentors that, you know, that I'm only 23. And that's, and that's what I had to sit back and remember. But the thing that I was thinking of that night is that, you know, I'm 0-2 now when it comes to political elections. And, you know, this is like results that I wasn't expecting, that my supporters weren't expecting. But uh, I just know everything happens for a reason. And uh, whenever the next time is that we're going to have all the puzzles uh, in place that we're going to be ready for uh to do whatever we can to, you know, get that W. Yeah. Like I said, you are 23. Yeah. I mean, like I said, you're so far ahead of schedule as far as doing this stuff. And, and um, again, I've never been in politics and I don't want to be in politics. <laughs> I, I don't have it. Um, I, I love enough people, but I don't love, I, I can't do it for everybody. Mm. Right. And, and, but it is a kind of, politics is kind of a wait your turn type thing right mm-hmm. you know that's kind of like you have to take the steps to steps the steps the steps and 23 is is really ahead of schedule yeah. <laughs> um but so when you talked about that you talked about the obviously earlier the backlash right um the biggest one and i don't want to get too far into it but the biggest one at least from what i saw was the the, the trump rally mm-hmm. in the hat right um you've probably been asked about that 17 million times mm-hmm. <laughs> right <laughs> um but there's two parts of that that i do want to kind of get into uh, first how much um i know I, I think i asked this question on when you were part of the debates the strictly hip-hop 90.7 fm debates um how somebody who's lived in the community right who's done these things you know that the the first district um and then the idea of being republican basically not being democratic is very is the exact opposite of what you would be working for as far as district one goes do you think you are able, do you think anybody, not just you, anybody, whether it's blue working for red, red working for blue, uh, independent, like there's all these other different things, but do you think somebody who is aligned different politically can work for a people who don't see eye to eye with them politically, right? You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, basically, so like for you, it was, you weren't like, you weren't all the way red, you weren't all the way independent, you weren't all the way libertarian, like you kind of had, your, you have a different viewpoint, um, but District one is is as dark blue as it yeah. like it's it's the bluest of blue right that's just the black community that's what we usually see 
do you think it's possible to um, work for people who see things politically differently than you do? Uh, in this case, with my election, you know, um, being, you know, associated with Republicans, you know, my mentor, uh, Senator Chuck Weaver, um, you know, big Republican around mm -hmm. town. But just, you know, just getting, you know, advice and wisdom from him uh, from two years ago when I first met him, uh, I felt as if, you know, I could bring about the change. Mm -hmm. uh, not necessarily pushing my beliefs as a conservative in which I didn't align uh, with, you know, Trump. But some of his policies, such as the, uh, uh, shoot, I can't, <laughs> I'm losing right, uh, opportunity zones, which uh, was something that I was pushing in my campaign when I was pushing the Buy the Block program. Mm -hmm. uh, that I've seen as something that can help uh, poor communities, not only here in Peoria, but across the country. Um, and so with this presidential election, I was more about wanting you know, a leader who would do more for our poor communities mm -hmm. than what we have not seen in a while. And when it comes to District 1, I just felt as if um, that I'd be able to change the landscape of things. And I'm fortunate I wasn't able to. I was able, I thought I was going to be able to bring about a new vision for what our district, what that district needed. Yeah. Because uh, for too long, as I talked about, we uh, experienced neglect. We experienced no opportunities. We experienced all of these things. And when I told my story of my upbringing, I connected all that together um, and talked about the many opportunities that I had. Um, but unfortunately, like you said, the first district is uh, a strong Democratic strong. <laughs> <laughs> like strong ain't the word. That, that is what it is. I mean, and, like I said, it is. It's, it's very, 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 I, very Democratic. Yeah, and I was always told, you know, not a lot of people are ready for change. Um, and that was kind of, you know... <laughs> I thought I would be able to change that narrative. Uh, well, and, and again, there's there's still a chance maybe in the future that that's the case. Um, but I think that a lot of, not even just, like, I don't, I don't even want to call out District 1 for this. I want to call out, you know, all of us. Mm. We, we all like status quo. Yeah. And whether it's good enough or not, it doesn't matter. It's not change, which we're okay with not changing. Um, but the one thing, so I, I, I have no problem saying that I, um, I am as... Um, anti-Trump as it gets. Mm. I am not anti-Republican. Yeah. Right? So I consider myself, I would say I'm Democratic-leaning, um, but I think that any logical person can see positives or yeah. things that they agree with on both sides. What do we have to do to make people more open-minded to at least having those conversations? Because there are a lot of people that I know um, and that I've worked with, that I've uh, coached with, that I've uh, that I've grew up with and that I'm friends with now um, that are very much, I'm this and that's it. Mm. Right, so it's, I'm Democratic and I'm and that's it, or I'm Republican and that's it, and just you kind of go down the sheet and you just vote all blue, all red, whatever it might be, um, without understanding the the policies or or who they are as, as who they plan what who they plan to be when they get into office. What do we have to do to get more people more open minded to have those conversations? Yeah. Because again, if you just if you if you don't use the word politics and you just ask people certain questions, they'll find themselves on both sides of it. Yeah. But once you say politics, it's like I'm left or I'm right and there's yeah. no in-betweens. So what do we have to do to get people more open-minded to have these conversations or or, or do more research or, or just have an open ear to, to kind of learn these different things that they might say, you know what, I'm still democratic, but I'm, I can understand these issues here, 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 or this might help us as a city here, here, and here. Yeah. I'll say, you know, uh, separating politics from policy. Politics, you think of parties. Yep. Policies, you think of what are things that we can do to implement change in our communities? And there's policies that I'm sure if you bring up different policies uh, and you get a group of Democrats, you get a group of libertarians and you get a group of uh, Republicans in a room and you say something such as, you know, border security, or you say health care or you say uh, br just bring up any issue. I'm sure that you'll get uh, mixed reactions mm -hmm. because nowadays it's more about politics and policy 100% and nobody wants to talk about policy nobody wants to talk about what they want to do to implement you know actual change instead of just the same old talk in the communities but instead of uh people love to use politics and that brings division that word politics because yeah, you think of right now when you think of trump you think of the republican party when you think of uh the democrats and uh you know, for a long time, people thought of Barack Obama mm -hmm. that hoped to change. Mm -hmm. And now that he's gone, I just feel like there's no hope there anymore. 
Um, I just felt like the Democrats weren't doing anything. What I was from what I've seen to help these communities where I felt like President Obama was what he was trying to do through his eight years. And I just felt like they were looking for the next Barack Obama. Yeah. Um, so I, that's what I said. I started looking at policy. I wanted to look at who what I want. I looked at what can help what policy can help areas such as the south side of Peoria. And so when I looked into uh, Trump, I'm not a support. I just looked at the policy of, you know, these opportunities on uh, this legislation that was passed in like 2017 that was helping minority communities with redevelopment, mm-hmm. helping with, you know, erase that broken windows theory that no businesses would set up shop if the homes are vacant, boarded up. Which does that go along kind of like just go home, go along kind of with your by the block type yeah. thing? That's kind of okay, makes sense. Yeah. So it was basic, like it was basically. Uh, for me, uh, I want to talk about that rally a little bit. Yep. Going to that. Uh, we'll get that. Yeah. We'll yeah. Get there in a second. <laughs> yeah. I got you. We'll, okay. we'll make our way there for sure. I um, that I I talked about actual policies, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, uh, when I did go to that rally, I say that lost me a, a ton of supporters. Mm-hmm. Uh, because before that, uh, I was here, and I still hear to this day that you know that that seat was mine it was on ass slide but like i said everything happens for a reason um maybe the lord didn't want me in the seat right now he want me still in the, the community doing this work mentoring our young boys and girls but um pushing policy pushing what i want to see done and not just sticking with the status quo but actually from my experience my experience growing up uh losing you know family friends to gun violence seeing that a lot of our young kids are uh they have no other options but to join gangs because there's no fathers in the yeah. homes. There's no role models. And so to actually try to break that chain in Peoria, um, I felt, and I feel still feel like I can do this, is just connecting with the right people and not uh, when people hear my name that I'm associated with Trump. But instead of who was Aaron Chess before yep. that rally, he was yep. someone that did the neighborhood cleanup, someone who was actively involved in the community. And I just hate that. You know, now uh, that moment ruined what could have been a great opportunity. So, and uh, before we get to the actual, the rally yeah. part, right? It's like you said, you know, there's people who literally were raised around you, who saw you, like, who do these things, who could still look at you and say, now that's like, it's, yeah. it's, it's the Trump, right? So, we'll get to the rally here in a second, but I'm interested to see, uh, or to the rally here in a second, but I'm interested to see if we can do that. In the next presidential election, right? So try to separate politics from policy, because if you look at it, the fact the last few times we've had very um, people who were elected officials who had who were, who were up for running, who solicited really strong feelings one way or another, right? So Barack, being the first black man, right? He he elicited strong feelings positively from black people and some people on uh white people who had different feelings mixed feelings whatever it might be right so you have barack for those eight years and then you bring in trump who has who elicits strong feelings from everybody right yeah. whether you love him or hate him he's gonna you're gonna you have a you have a reaction to him right um with the 2024 you know again that's that's a long ways away who knows what it could bring and then trump's talking about running again right so who knows what it could bring but if we have two individuals who aren't as who don't bring the you know that lightning rod effect i wonder if this is the election the presidential election at least that we can kind of get back to the idea of policy over politics with that being said in peoria how do we get more attention to those elections right because you looked at Mm -hmm. that the you look at the voter numbers right obviously you didn't get the numbers you wanted but peoria didn't vote yeah on the whole i think it was something like was it thirty thousand is somewhere in those and this is a six figure city. Right. So we had a significant amount more than half of the people not vote, right? I'm not sure if that's policy, I'm not sure if it's politics, I'm not sure if it's transportation, I'm not sure what it is, but how do we get this was the, the most voted on presidential election ever. And then we followed up with our city election by having thirty five, forty percent of the people vote for it. How do we how do we get how do we fix that? I say it takes because we we got a lot we had a lot of great uh, candidates that uh, did outreach that actually went into the community, mm-hmm. 
Um, so doing that, you know, because when people think of politics now, you know, they're upset uh, around a city of, you know, their candidate not getting picked. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's a mayoral candidate that, you know, a lot of people wanted mm-hmm. um, because she she went into the trenches. Yep. 100%. She she did what nobody else could. And then on my end, you know, in the first district, I was able to speak and, you know, be the voice for, you know, a lot of those people that are still in the streets, but want to see change, but, you know, they didn't get out and vote. Yep. Yep. It's easy to say it. Yeah. It's easy to say, like, I want something to change, but, like, what are we doing to do yeah. it? Yeah. And I say the support was there, but they didn't go to the polls. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, um, they discouraged, they, 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 were, they were discouraged to go to the polls because they just felt as if, oh, they already got support. They're seeing, you know. A lot of people sharing our information. Shirts yeah, and, and signs and share so Facebook posts. Yeah, and, so they're seeing that. So they're like, okay, I can stay on. Yep. So they they already got the votes. My vote doesn't matter, right? So yeah. kind of looks at it as like you know, one vote isn't going to be a huge difference. I know I had this conversation actually uh, the day before the primary with a young guy uh, from the South Side, and I was like, I was like, did you vote? He was like, nah. He was like, I respect you, no disrespect, but I just feel like my vote doesn't matter, and I was like. You know, that's what a lot of people say, but you can see. If you add up all those votes yeah. that don't matter, yeah. it makes a difference. And I say that's that's the biggest factor right there is that a lot of people are just, they just feel like because, let's say, you don't have you don't have any influence or you don't have the money to back a candidate like a lot of these uh, super PACs are doing, that you're not going to be able to compete with that. But at the end of the day, it all goes with the turnout. If you sit home on election day or during those early voting periods, you're allowing the opposition to to win or that uh, incumbent that you don't feel is doing a good job to continue to get elected. And the candidate that is viable um, to, you know, suffer a defeat that they could have won, but because based on you feeling like that your vote doesn't matter, that... Uh, Shoot, I lost my train of thought. You're good. Uh, just feeling like your vote doesn't matter, that you're not going to uh, be able to change an election. And as I tell people, every vote counts. I mean, you, every you've vote. seen it. Like, I mean, well, they had, there was a, I don't remember what race it was locally, but there was one that was had to go through the recounts because it, like, it was like. Yeah, for uh, the, for the, uh, uh, township supervisor. See, right? Yeah. I mean, like, and, like, literally that's down to, like, every single vote yeah. mattered. Um, and, so when you, when you do that, um, it's interesting because, you know, I'll say this now, again, if, if you want to be careful with your words, because hopefully we get you back into the runnings and stuff like this, so I have no problem if you're like, hey, you know, I'm going to leave that one alone, or or I agree with you, or I don't whatever it might be, but, you know, one of the things that I had a conversation with my friend Anthony Harris over at the uh, Air Cigar Lounge, we were out there one night and we were talking, and... Um, we talk about yourself. We talk about Shama, um, and who I would love to have her on because I know she's got some ideas for voter, uh, some voter um, ideas that she has to to raise the numbers. Um, but sometimes it feels like we, as a as a as a as a black community, are harder on black people than we are like harder yeah. on ourselves who are doing that than we are on the people who have already been here. And he said that, and he said specifically you and her, and especially talk about her as a woman as well. Um, so you have you as a young black man, her as a young black woman, and sometimes it's like, you know, we expect them to do these things that we don't expect anybody else to do. We hold them to a standard that we haven't held anybody else in Peoria to who's gotten an elected office to, right? And so it's like, you know, do you ever, did you ever feel that kind of extra, you know, pressure or, or uh, higher bar that was like, you know, hey... I, okay, I'm fine if living up to this if everybody has to live up to this. Do you ever feel that extra kind of pressure being being a, a, a minority running for office? Yeah, especially, you know, uh, being the youngest candidate um, that pretty much I prepared for this moment for a long time that I knew uh, whatever I do because b- primarily based on where I come from, um, everybody wants to dig into your past. They want to see what did you do. <laughs> yeah, you're going to tell me, yeah. And so it just seemed like you know, I haven't been able, I pretty much sacrificed, you know, my early 20s mm-hmm. to, you know, want to make a difference. And I had no problem with that. And I still don't uh, to, you know, live up to the standard mm-hmm. to to be, you know, this role model, to be someone that the kids can uh, look up to and want to be like. And, you know, I, I take stances on issues that, 
you know, some won't. I'll mm -hmm. I'll speak on things that you know a lot of our politicians or a candidates running for office won't, and that's that's what I admire about Shama too. She does the same because um, we don't owe anybody anything. Uh, because you know, when I was running for at large, I did it all you know myself. Mm -hmm. I I worked you know I worked my butt off to get to where I'm at today to get the platform. No nobody has ever given me anything. It's it was earned and not given. Um, and yet there's definitely a standard and I just feel like, you know, our community is, uh, the black community as a whole is divided because, you know, you still have the old guard of, you know, black leaders that want things done a certain way. Mm -hmm. And when you get somebody like me or Shama on a the scene, then we, we, uh, start to shake things up a little. Yeah. They're afraid we're going to disrupt the way their agendas are being mm -hmm. pushed. And, you know, we have some great leaders, but. They're out of touch with the people. They're out of touch with the our the voter base that me and Shama was targeting. Of you know a lot of the people that have, the establishment have overlooked for so long, uh, especially for you know our men and women that are felonies, that are felons, that have a past. Mm -hmm. And you know when I always said when I was around for office that I'm going to you know speak to the people that I grew up around. Yep. That I'm going to try to make it better for them, and um, that's what I did this election. I did everything I could to uh, put a spotlight on these issues that nobody else talked about. Nobody else talked about uh, buying the block back. Buying the block back. I thought it was awesome. Nobody ever talked about uh, bringing mentors. No candidate, no politician, bringing mentors into the trenches, talking to these young guys, talking to these gang members. Nobody ever had a conversation to sit down with any of these guys, except for, you know, when it's a publicity stunt for that don't shoot movement. Um, but instead, no, nobody ever has done any of the things that me or her have done. And, uh, you know, the next go around, I plan on doing the same thing because... That's what you believe in. Yeah, it's just who I am. I'm, I'm real and I don't want anybody to think I'm any different because, you know, if I was to get a title of, you know, who knows state senator councilman or whatsoever i just want people to know that i'm gonna forever be real i'm gonna forever be honest well and that's and that's one thing i appreciate i have no problem saying that again i didn't always align with you politically um i don't always align with shama politically um that's just that's and that's okay mm -hmm. right but as a as a young black black man well i'm not young anymore i need to stop, <laughs> I need, I need to stop, I need to stop saying that um but as a as a minority I, you know I'm proud to see people stepping out of the box and taking chances and who aren't afraid to, to say those things. Whether I agree with you or not, doesn't matter. If you believe it, then you believe it. And to, to try to put that change into action for our community, I'm always a fan of that. So I appreciate you for doing that. Um, but with that being said, um, like you talk about the backlash, you talk about the, the, the idea of those losing those votes. And I, and I have no I no problem saying that I thought that was a big, mm. a big hit to the campaign. So let's talk about the rally. Um, you decided Trump was coming to was the Quad Cities. Where did he come? It was it was Iowa. It Iowa, was Iowa. Iowa. So uh, Trump was coming to Iowa, um, and you. So I'll, I'll let you tell the story. You were, like, you were offered a chance to go, or you yeah. Had a so to go and... uh, uh, a friend of mine had uh, contacted me because uh, they know I'm I'm a political buff. Yeah. I love anything that will history, and especially like presidents. So it was like you know Trump is going to be in Iowa. Uh, take his. Uh, I guess tickets are going to be lounged two days before. So I was like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. So I wasn't, I was going, you know, based on what I talked about earlier, you know, someone that had this lifelong dream of, you know, someday want to become president, mm -hmm. somebody that, you know, admired the office of the president. Uh, but knowing that, you know, uh, especially in my, my race where there is a predominantly democratic stronghold on that community, that I would, I don't know, I wasn't going there like thinking about the backlash I was facing. I was just going there, you know, excited because. Like I said, so yeah. for you, basically, it was I've grown up a fan of, of uh, I've grown up interested in politics. I've grown up a fan of, of just the idea of, of whoever's sitting in the presidency. Yeah. Like, this is a, this is an experience. For you, it was an experience. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, you didn't grow up saying, my entire life I wanted to go see Trump. You grew up my entire life saying, like, I would be interested in seeing a, pre a sitting president if I had the chance. Mm -hmm. Right, so. And so, uh, you know, I went there. It was, I remember we, it was like a two-hour drive to go to Dubuque, Dubuque Iowa. Um, and, like, the whole process was fascinating. Just 
seeing everything in person, mm -hmm. you know, Secret Service to, you know, a couple minutes before, you know, the president showed up on Air Force One, which was, That's you crazy. know, that was surreal. <laughs> um, and, you know, I took pictures. I, I was excited. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember taking a picture. It was of the the stage and it was before the plane came in. And I remember I uploaded it on, I, I said, waiting on POTUS to arrive. Mm -hmm. And then I put my phone in my pocket. <laughs> okay, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> I can't wait to hear the rest of this. But so was there ever a time when you're driving up to Dubuque that you're on your way to do this that you're like, maybe I shouldn't? Was there ever a time that you're like, I like, I know people going to say something. Maybe I shouldn't do this. Was there ever a time that you kind of second guessed that on the way up? I was thinking, you know, I'm going to, there's going to be a couple people. Because yeah. I remember, and I made the exact, because uh, I was on a conference call, a part of uh, a campaign a couple months, a month actually before that. And, you know, the president was on a conference call with us. And I remember I made a Facebook post. I was like, just had a, just was on a conference call with the president of the United States. And nobody, you know, said anything. Yeah. You know, you had a, you had a few people, but a lot of people were like, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And so I was like, all right. And so. So you, so you back up there, you took the picture, went yeah. to the POTUS to arrive, and so, put your phone in your pocket. Uh, just that moment, like, I remember you knew he was like probably like a couple minutes out because the sniper started settling <laughs> on the roof and then he just started seeing like, I don't know, it was like the environment just started to change. Uh, and then literally, I remember I looked at my phone and I tried to... Did it explode? Like, did it literally explode in your pocket? I was seeing comments, like uh, notifications. But I couldn't, nobody got signal there because they cut every... Like, oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, huh. And so... So you're like, so-and-so commented, but you when you tried to pull up Facebook, it wouldn't load because yeah. you was, okay. Oh, so you, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you get comments, but you don't know what they say. Yeah. Okay, I got you. And I got so you. Uh, the moment had came, you know, the plane had like flew down on the runway. And it was like something I'd never seen before. You know, a lot of people, they were getting excited and... Uh, it wasn't like the you know the rallies that you read about that. Well, the, you know the, the ones they put on the news are the ones that that yeah. are like craziest worst case scenario. Like this is going to get people to talk about it type thing. Like that's those are, the everyday normal ones aren't going to get that attention because it's not divisive, right? Yeah. So it's going to this was this wasn't one of those. Yeah. I got you. And so you know everybody at the rally, I didn't go in like, no, like worried because I remember seeing videos from 2016 where. Uh, there were fights and things in the stands and mm -hmm. that it was like a lot of chaos. And, uh, I remember it was a few black people there. It was a few Asian Hispanics. And, uh, and I was like surprised. I was like, wow. Um, just seeing, you know, these different organizations that, you know, support this man that a lot of people don't like <laughs> back home. And so, uh, I remember the plane had stopped this and they came out on the stairs and everybody were like, it was like a rock concert. They, <laughs> they were they were so excited to see him, and uh, it was like an awe to me, like a moment, like wow. Yeah, like it was it was an experience. Yeah, like that, that's something like I'll I'll probably never see mm. any standing president, <laughs> and like well one it's like that's not really my thing, but two like it's just like it's not easy. Like it's it that would be an experience to see like hey this this is literally the leader of of, of the United States of America. That yeah. would be kind of. All whether no matter who it was, like, even if I was to see Trump, like if I was out here for some reason saw him, I was just like, oh damn, yeah, yeah that's Trump. Yeah. Then I was like fifty to hundred, hundred of uh, fifty to hundred feet away from oh, okay. uh, the podium, so that was that made it even better because I remember I snapped some more pictures and yeah. then I put it on Snapchat, <laughs> and it wasn't uploading on Snapchat, and then uh, I don't know, it was just like the the environment it was it was like it was like wild, like everybody was like excited. Yeah. And I remember afterwards, uh, we were leaving. Then I got signal back, and so <laughs> I'm looking at the comments. I'm like, "Holy, <laughs> right? What the heck?" Yeah. And so I'm like, "Oh." And then um, it just like I don't know that 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 post had just blew up because I posted more pictures too of like him actually on the stage, mm -hmm. um, and then. Somebody actually got a picture of me with the hat on. So okay, so that so that yeah. so 
I so this this happened before we were become Facebook friends because again I I get you know, I stressed earlier we didn't have a relationship right? mm -hmm. it's just somebody who's I'm a fan of what you're doing from far from far away and I love seeing young black men trying to make change so that's how I became a friend of yours um, but this is before it and I saw like it was like a, a vague I can't believe Aaron Chess did blah 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 or it was like you know I can't believe this fool put the hat I th and I think the hat was the biggest part of mm -hmm. it. Because again, the idea of just the experience, like most like you know, like, I don't mess with Trump, right? Mm -hmm. they, it could be a free rally down the street, and they, I, I wouldn't go, right? It's not my thing. But I can still get the idea of the experience, like you know, I want to be a part of it to see how crazy this is, to do whatever it might be. The hat, I think, was the one that was mm -hmm. the deal breaker. Would you agree with like this? The piece yeah. with the hat was the kind of like, hey, whoa, you're doing too much right now. Yeah. That was like the, the deal breaker. Uh -huh. yeah, I'll say that too. And I remember I was putting it on as a joke. Uh and it was this guy that we had met. Uh, he had came from Minnesota, and we took a group picture mm -hmm. with him. And I remember uh, he had tagged me, like, in the photo, like, this is the next day. So I'm, this, I'm getting... So your phone was already blown up anyway. Yeah, and then I remember I seen, I was like, oh, shoot. Somebody's going to get this. <laughs> yeah. and, so, and so I was like, wow. Uh, but it was definitely... Um, it was definitely a, 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 a experience that I'll never forget, um, and I say an experience that shaped the the campaign. Mm -hmm. 100%. Um, and I understand, you know, a lot of people were upset, um, but you know, there were pros and cons, you know, afterwards of attending that rally. Um, you know, I lost a good chunk of supporters, mm -hmm. primarily in my district. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. But. My network and you know supporters grew in the city of Peoria as a whole, and I remember afterwards like every forum and I remember I was doing interviews like back to back. I did one with uh, ninety point seven. Mm -hmm. uh, that was like the exact day after. <laughs> yep. Um, and just having to you know explain myself of why I went and do I regret and you know like I told them it's something that I don't regret. It's an experience mm -hmm. that I always thought about. Being able to be a part of as a child, but unfortunately with uh, the office holder, uh, the current president, nobody really cared for. And then a lot of people didn't like that. Mm -hmm. It was a day before the election, two days before the election. And they made it seem like I was going to be like the deciding point. Like, you know, <laughs> right. me going to a Trump rally was right. going to be half of America was going <laughs> to vote for. All of America was going like to vote Like you literally had changed the election on your own try to yeah. be there and put the hat on. Yeah. So I was like... Wow, and then like you know, just a lot of people, uh, just forgetting you know all the good I've done, and mm -hmm. it was like I committed a crime or something. Yeah, and like I said, that that's the hardest part. It's like again, it, it's it's a, it's politics, not policies, right? So it was like if all the work you had done, you had been raising this community, you've been down here doing the dirty work, asking for more, trying to do these things, figuring out these answers, and we had seen you doing these things. But since the last thing we saw was you put on a hat about somebody we liked, it was it was like that was the end of it, and that's. That's unfair, um, but it doesn't fair unfair doesn't matter, mm -hmm. right? It's just the reality of it, yeah. and that's one of those things. Do you feel like if you had like if you had known? I'm not saying would you have changed it because obviously the experience of it is awesome, but do you think that experience of realizing you know how much something like that can affect it would affect you with your decision making going forward? Yeah, I know. Uh, after like even like to this this day. Uh, speaking to you know different people, I'll say, you know, I wouldn't posted the photos because mm -hmm. uh, that's definitely where it had yeah it hit me hard because like I said I I was probably that seat would have been a landslide and I say uh, just looking at the turnout and seeing you know Denise Jackson as the the vote getter and I still tell people <laughs> that those votes were supposed to be mine and. Uh, but it's just something that you, you got to live with. And um, I've been able to, since then, you know, uh, have relationships with different business owners that tend to be more conservative. Yep. That appreciate it. You know, how. It's a different world for you. It did. Yeah. How I uh, was able to handle that situation and how, you know, I kept it professional. That. Um, Which is you better than me for that. <laughs> look, I'm, I don't want to stop you right there, but I'm going to tell you right now. Some of the people was talking on Facebook to you, Reckless. 
You handled it way better than I would. I would have <laughs> lost this election a long time because I would have said some things to people that they did not want to hear. Because there's people who are saying some real, real ridiculous stuff, um, and I and I and I don't want to, uh, you know, get into that as more. Because yeah. I said, again, I'm, you did. You handled it professionally. You handled it way better than I did. But we're running up on our time here. But the one thing I, w- I don't want to end on that. I want to end on. What's next? What do you got going forward? You're doing the mentoring stuff. Right? Let's talk about what you got going on right now because, again, to be a 23-year-old black man making the difference that you are in Peoria, that's what the focus needs to be, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, two times running for, for office um, obviously hasn't worked out, but that's something that, again, you don't see very much of. You're doing different things. You're giving different examples. You're setting different um, um points for these young men to young men and women to achieve because of what you are, who you're doing at this age. So talk about what you got going on real quick before you get out of here. I want I want to end on a positive note. What what are you doing right now? What's the future hold? What plans does Aaron Chess have going forward? Yeah, so right now I'm actually in the midst of uh planning my second my second uh annual, you know, neighborhood cleanups cookout, um, which I hope to attract even more people than last year, which, you know, was a lot tons of people. Um continuing to mentor um, our young guys, um, especially back in my old neighborhood, um, and you know, doing my part to make a positive impact in the community because I, I know that I, it, I'm not going anywhere. Um, that this is just, you know, another roadblock in the middle of my path to success, and that um, I know after the election, somebody sent me a, a a quote about Abraham Lincoln. You know, he lost his first couple elections before. Uh, he was successful. Look, look how far he got down the line. Ended up becoming president of the United States. Um, but continuing to pave the way for, especially young black men in a community in a city that um, is very hard to, you know, be successful in. And using, you know, my testimony of even now with the past experience of this campaign and dealing with a lot of backlash to, you know, a lot of people turning their back on me to, you know, not letting that be a reason why I neglect the community that you know I was already mm-hmm. uh, working hard for prior to that, but instead uh, continuing to prove the doubters wrong, continuing to do uh, what I do uh, and set the bar, set the standard for uh, the next generation of leaders. Like I said, it's the reason I asked you to come on. Like I said, I, I know I want to do more political stuff next month with uh, the local election coming up. Um, so I appreciate you saving me on this one, um, but. Again, you've already overcome so much, right? There's no reason for you to be where you are right now in, in the first place. Um, I know at 23, I wasn't doing what you was doing. <laughs> so I know at 23, I, you're, you're way ahead of the game. Um, and again, like all these learning experiences that you're going through young and you're still finding the, the, the positive or the, the information and instead of just saying like, hey, I'm going to react to it this way. I'm going to take it flip it to something that's going to help me better myself, right? And that's something that, again, all these examples you're setting for these young men and women is, is important, right? So again... Nothing. You're not where you want to be, right? But as somebody who's seen you from far away, I can tell you, one, you're way ahead of where most people are uh, at your age. Probably most people older than you right now, too. <laughs> uh, so I appreciate you for that. But man, again, you're making, you're you're doing your best to make changes in our community. And as somebody who's been a 309 lifer myself, um, now I wasn't raised in the South and I work in the South End right now. My grandma's lived on Latrobe, 2613 Latrobe, not there anymore, so leave her alone. Um, <laughs> But, you know, my aunt was on Marquette, uh, got family on Humble, uh, Ligonier, um, I mean, we've been all up and down there, right? And so and to see to see what it is and people will try to make that change down there, I, I personally really appreciate that. So um, change for them, change for Peoria, change for black people, period, uh, change for people, period. Um, again, I, I, could, I could have talked about this for a lot longer. That time goes by way faster than, than you think when you're sitting here um, having a good conversation. But, again... Uh, Mr. Aaron Chess, be on the lookout. We got, like I said, we got the neighborhood cleanup, neighborhood cookout uh, down to help down there. Um, he's ta- he's done some stuff on his social media. We talked about the different uh, places down on the south and like the marketplace, right? Market mm-hmm. three, 309 three, Market. Yeah, 309 Market. So uh, find him on Facebook, social media. He does some really awesome, positive stuff um, and sharing the good things in Peoria. So again, uh, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming and doing this for me. Um, hopefully this is not the end of it. Hopefully it's just the beginning, and I think that it is. And, and hopefully we can do some more things. I, I might try to link up with you when you do the neighborhood stuff, and I would love to be a part of it. Because, again, we might not always align politically. Yeah. But what you're doing for my community, man, I, I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, man. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. All right, that's the end of that interview with Mr. Aaron Chess. I appreciate him. Uh, such a good dude, and I appreciate what he's doing for our community. 
Got to take this chance to shout out a couple more sponsors one more time. Again, without them, this wouldn't be possible. So let me go ahead and give them the shout outs. Um, Strictly Hip Hop is brought to you at home by Transcendent Visual Arts. They specialize in live streams, music videos, commercials, and logo animations. To see how they can help your business, you can contact them at 309-280-1319 or email them at transcendentvisualarts at gmail.com. State Farm Agent Aaron Kilgore sells car insurance. State Farm Agent Aaron Kilgore is located on Sterling Avenue. State Farm Agent Aaron Kilgore also paid for you to hear this on Peoria's hottest station for hip-hop and R&B, 90.7 FM. He can be reached at 309-685-7111. That's the end of it. I appreciate you guys checking this out. Shout out to our sponsors. Shout out to you for listening. Shout out to Mr. Aaron Chester what he's doing for the future of Peoria. Remember, you can make a difference in your community. Just make sure that you make that conscious effort every day to be a better friend, uh, sibling, spouse, student, teacher, uh, community person, whatever it might be. You make a difference every day. So make sure you're making that conscious effort that it's a positive difference. I appreciate you, and I'll see you next week.